brought to you by our friends at Rug Radio and featuring yours truly, Carlo, and the soon-to-be-arriving Jenko. As always, nothing we discuss should be considered legal or financial advice, but I'm talking to two lawyers right now in the space, so they already know that. If you do need the assistance of a lawyer, of course, you should do that confidentially, not on a recorded Twitter space, because we do record these, and if you come up to speak, as you know, you will be recorded and we will rebroadcast you. I don't know what kind of a crowd we're going to have today with the Supreme Court doing live oral argument right now in that big Google case. And the entire space is up in arms right now about royalties and secondary trading platforms basically eliminating royalties and major projects rugging (laughs) and canceling conferences. So there's definitely a fair share of drama going on in the space. Non-fungible attorney, welcome. Elizabeth, always welcome as well. Matt, always great to see you out there. You know you're welcome to come up and talk if you have any thoughts, but certainly a lot going on. Paxos is in the line of sights with respect to its Binance stablecoin, and the drum is beating louder and louder that the SEC seems to be really ramping enforcement action against stablecoins. That's certainly in play. Matt, Elizabeth brought you up to speak. Welcome, as always. What's good? Good morning, GM. Good morning, GM. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you mentioned... Are you a Fed? Because you said that twice. Are you a Fed? We need to know right No, now. I'm, I've said it before. I'm more of a state person, you know, having worked in... You know, so that that word inherently means federal government. And I just obviously I'm not, you know, but I, I did. You brought up something where, um, you know, I think there's going to be an announcement in the next day or two. But we're going to be having a massive conference uh, April 27th, 28th, 29th um, at NYU with the Bar Association and a bunch of international bar associations um, regarding this space and the international breadth of it and all that stuff. So um, hopefully everybody can, after, if you make your trip to NFT NYC, (laughs) come back to New York, um, because this one's hopefully going to be a real big one. That'll be like a real, real, real big one. So that was the one that Mark, yeah, Mark leaked the alpha on. <laughs> right. Mark mentioned it. And I and I think we're trying to get the save the dates out, um, you know, and also just something formal to maybe give to potential sponsors and stuff like that. Um, I think that needs to be done. But, yeah, so just if anybody's listening, you know, save maybe save that date if you can make it. Um it should be really cool. Um, we may need some speakers. I don't know. And who knows what's going to be happen? you know, who, what will happen between now and then. Um, and that's a challenge always. I feel like in planning any of this stuff, uh, because in this space, so much can change in a matter of hours, <laughs> you know, and having to plan something out months in advance and coming up with topics. But, uh, yeah, I hope, hope you all can make it. I love it. Yeah. You know, people, people tune back into this, especially now that we've got it on Spotify and Apple podcasts. So definitely it will, 
it will make its way out gradually. And thank you, Matt, for, for bringing that up. Uh, you're right, man. Things move super fast. You can plan an entire talk on a topic and the entire topic can get rugged <laughs> by one crazy settlement or enforcement action. Or, or the entire event gets criminal rugged, com- like in the case. <laughs> but um, bump. I think the value of Mourn Birds just went up, didn't it? <laughs> There's certainly a, a fair amount of FUD going on about Moonbirds right now. So I wonder how that's going to impact uh, your sister's project because uh, she is the sad uh, derivative of Moonbirds, right? Yeah, actually, I was I was like, I don't know why the Moonbirds forward go up, that all this stuff. And I was like, oh, she said Mournbirds. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what, what's happening with the, her floor, but... But hey, maybe she should host the conference. Yeah, they can call it spoof or something instead. She could just spoof it. I love it. I love it. Let, look, there's never a dull moment. Kevin Rose made a decision. And of course, there is no easy decisions made in this space when it comes to expectations. And uh, there's two sides to that argument. Obviously, it was one of the major, major components of the project that everyone was excited about proof of conference was supposed to be, uh, and build as being the preeminent NFT conference. And, uh, there's a lot of disappointment. So I guess we'll remain, uh, glued to our Twitter spaces and see what the announcement is next week, as far as what motivated this pivot and what, uh, freeing up the community wallet and the resources of the project, how that benefit comes back to people in the community by way of this announcement. So what, we'll see. What's the announcement? I have no idea. But apparently uh, there was the announcement yesterday that they were canceling. And then there's an announcement next week as far as what they plan to do uh, to to deliver more value to, to holders. I don't know what that means, though. Is, is that whole conference canceled? Or they're part of it that they were... Um, doing is that was that only a moon the proof of concept was that only a moonbirds thing event yeah proof of conference was was a proof moonbird conference and it had a ticket price of about 0.7 something eth and uh it was supposed to be a big event with a lot of preeminent artists and celebrity speakers and definitely was something that was hyped up across the space i think it was supposed to be inclusive of other projects <clears throat> but yeah, the host has shut it down. So I think the entire conference is is basically shut down at this point. And when was that supposed to be? I think that was coming up uh, right before VCon, if I'm not mistaken. Don't know the exact dates. I wasn't planning to go. When? I think it was close in time to VCon. Which is? VCon is in <laughs> May. So I think this was in April. They couldn't book oh, Carlo, so and they is, were like, okay. you know what, guys? It's not worth it. We don't have Carlo up here. We're not doing it. <laughs> so what you're saying is this is around April, so people that were planning to go to this event may want to hang out in New York after they're at NFT NYC for the end of April. Look Maybe. at that subtle shill. Did you see that pivot, how he just shilled the State Bar Association's uh, event. You all, I'm, I'm going to make sure every, I send out to save the dates and everything once we get everything in print. And um, but I'm just saying, you know, as conferences get, you know, if, if people, 
hopefully, ideally, obviously, they get their money back. And if they're looking to spend it, this is actually going to have CLE credit attached to it, too. It's like a two-day event. Um, but I'll stop for now. No, I, I did hear that pivot. Sorry, I wasn't back to confirm that I heard the shill pivot, Carlo. It was a solid shill pivot. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. What's new in your world, Elizabeth? Well, so I came up here to ask you guys about ordinals and some things, but um, but nothing nothing too new. Just kind of, as they say, grinding, trying to do legal you know, stuff in the background. It has become an interesting um, space right now with the the what looks to be inevitable, and I would speculate to say unreversible demise of royalties um it's definitely causing this entire space now to really reevaluate um what projects are going to remain and what they're going to look like going forward without royalties as the lifeblood of 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 these of these projects what what are they going to do to raise revenue this is an interesting challenge and it's going to be curious to see who pivots and who comes on the other side of this And then ordinals, I mean, there are no royalties on ordinals because there is no marketplace. So, Elizabeth, that's an interesting conversation as well. Is ordinals the the new iteration of NFT PFP non-community because you 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 are challenged in the sense you cannot, as far as I understand it, launch a community-based NFT on a Satoshi and on the incremental uh, pieces of that blockchain. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's a limitation in the way that you can drop. So this is an interesting period and a very transformative period for this space. Where do we go from here? See how I just left that out there to linger? It depends. Um, it depends. Yeah. It, it's a big fat depends right now because, I mean, Blur obviously has taken a big chunk of the market and their token drop and their rewards program has certainly incentivized a lot of trade volume on that platform. And OpenSea blinked and they did an about face as some might be very critical of them for that's an opinion, of course, but they appear to have done an about face on their stance on creator royalties. And I don't know that you could put that genie back in the bottle. Now you got Iris project, which does put royalties on chain, but you've got to mint that as a new contract. So that's for projects going forward. That is an option. Can they do like a wraparound? I'm so sorry. I'm like a, chronic interrupter <laughs> no that's fine uh you can't interrupt uh this tr this freight train of thought so it, it it's conversation so definitely you're welcome to, to to chime in um i don't think you can ira would know for sure of course but i don't know i think that's something that's got to be in the smart contract i don't know if you can wrap that around existing contracts for existing projects it's a good question See how I left that silence there? 
I just left it there. You know, we need that. That's, I feel like that's where Ray comes in, right? Is And that's why you're pausing. You're pausing for Ray's reaction. I'm rudderless right now without Ray, but Galvis did come up. Long time no talk. Galvis, what's up? Galvis is staticky. Let's Lost see. Lost to the metaverse. Let's see if he can do this. Can he? Did he burn up an entry? Galvis. So close. Don't hear a train. <laughs> He's trying. He's trying. Boy, you got to love the technology. I just unplugged my, uh, my headphones, so I think it's better now. How good, are you, man? man. Uh, good to see you. I know you've been in some uh, in real life court cases, so I missed you, you know, but uh, I'm glad uh, you're back. Hope uh, all those cases are going well. Thank I you. I have a question that I haven't I haven't seen like, you know, it to be brought up too much, right? So, we got the marketplaces, right, that they're almost uh, have become the accessory killer of royalties, you know, because they blame it on the buyers, but if, if they don't put the option, you know, and become the accessory, then there wouldn't be this this conversation, right? So how liable can can a marketplace be, you know, it, by not respecting, you know, a, a royalty that has been established by an artist or a, or a creator and, uh, you know, given the option to the buyer, you know, it's like it's like if someone, you know, like, goes to the supermarket you're not like oh I, I, you don't tell the cashier like i'm not gonna pay taxes you know or or you know if someone goes to buy a, a painting at Sotheby's or christie's they're like well i'm buying the painting but i'm not paying your fee so how, how does how does that you know translate in you know you know we haven't seen the the first case but i mean it seems to me that you know marketplace can become you know liable for for that I don't know. It's an interesting question because I guess presumably, and for the other uh, for the other lawheads in the space, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess presumably an artist could bring a claim that they relied to their detriment on the platform honoring their royalty, and then for the platform to just um, sua sponte on their own with no with no community input change course and automatically remove those royalties, I guess there, there could be a cause of action somewhere in there. Is it a cause of action that would actually survive and, and could you get recovery on it? I think you could potentially prove damages. So that's an interesting question. I'm curious to see who's going to test that, if anybody. But, you know, look, it's a conversation that goes back and forth and there's two sides to this debate. The platforms would probably turn around and say, Galavis, that it is the uh, collectors and it is the traders who have forced this because they are at the at the whim of the marketplace and the marketplace has spoken. OpenSea has lost a foothold to other platforms like Blur who have done away with these royalties. They would take the position they tried to enforce and defend these royalties to the best of their ability, but they're losing so much market share because this is what traders want. And traders are running 
running the show right now, it seems. Matt, you got a hand up. That's so civil of you. What are your thoughts? Well, now I do mostly civil litigation, so that's fitting with the hand. I thought it was appropriate. Um, but I, I, I think it really depends on what the agreement is between the artist and the platform. I really never looked at one of those, so I can't really tell you. But I, I just have a, a question. No, is there anything stopping an artist from just saying, okay, I don't like what OpenSea is doing. I understand it's the, you know, the biggest platform, but I'm going to pull all my stuff and just list it somewhere else. I mean, you're not like the, the artist can, can do that. Right. I mean, I don't know. It really would depend on what the agreement is for all. I know they're, they, they signed some sort of deal. I don't know. Um, can they just do that? Is, is that? is that the way it works? Well, I think they've got to pay ETH to take down the listing. So I think they got to pay ETH to take down the listing if it's an active ETH listing. So I think there's, there's a penalty there, if I remember correctly. If the listing just expires, then I guess there's no more contract between the platform and the, and the collector. And I think the collector would be free to, to drop the project on their own website and create their own marketplace yeah i mean, so, I, mean I, I don't think anything stands in the way of them doing that so as soon as they're and i don't know what the provisions say in the agreement between the artist and open and what notice they have to give and what rights they can do unilaterally you know what what they can do but i just figured you know okay once they're on notice that this is happening i mean yeah depending on what it says you can get into a whole bunch of, of issues there but in terms of what you can do, I guess the move is to go to do that. But you do have to pay, um, you know, pay a little, which might be considered consequential damage. But um, I wasn't aware of that. So that's good info. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm not sure how this got executed um, when they made this announcement. What did that do to pending listings? Because. You, when you list something on OpenSea, you have the ability to control what you want as a royalty. And um, I think you can, you know, you, you, you front end that. So did this by default negate all of those existing uh, royalty clicks? Or was this something that was for anything that was listed going forward? I don't know the answer to that. Well, I think also also the the bigger picture, you know, it's it's not it's not the the artists and and creators. I mean, we we have been, you know, the the lab rats of technocrats, you know, in in the the tokenization of the world. I think, you know, the 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 this solving this problem is it's is really what's going to invite, you know, the real estate deals. Like how is a is a real estate agent going to get paid, you know, in the future when when titles escrows everything is tokenized and how does the real estate agent doesn't get screwed you know when you know this multi-million dollar deals and in platforms don't take them down so i think uh you know like you know they you know ten technocrats you know they've they've used us artists you know to set up you know the tokenization of the of the world and i think you know i see where where the, the new uh, innovation is coming and, and, you know, you see, you know, obviously IRA and, and consensus being on, on the forefront. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it still presents the same problem, though. Even if the artist were to pull the plug and go on their own standalone platform and their own marketplace, you still have the, the buyer, the collector, the trader who's going to have the freedom to choose. And they may make the decision that they don't want to pay any royalties and they may just completely uh, ignore any project that, that insists on royalties or any artist that insists on royalties. So again, it, it all goes back to marketplace sort of dictating and people that want to pay royalties will go the extra mile and do that. But I think it's, uh, it's not something that right now can be imposed on traders and forced on traders. Obviously, the platforms have made that clear. Uh, they're, 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 going to, they're going to side with, it seems, the traders because they want to continue to see volume on their platforms. And it's weird volume right now because it seems like there's a lot of NFT trades going on, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything to move project floor prices. So it's interesting dynamic right now, which I think is a collateral consequence of the blur rewards system, where you're seeing a lot of trades, which are probably more motivated by racking up more rewards to claim. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's all the, the DeFi DGENs that know how to game the system. And that's what, you know, that's exactly what they're doing. And, uh, it seems to be, I think, a bit of a turning point in the space right now because it seems that people are much more hesitant now when it comes to seeing value in a lot of projects, which traditionally I think people believe was driven by the revenue from secondary sales. So this is kind of a, a, a real, I think, inflection point. And ultimately, I, I would suspect that the tech is going to evolve beyond this and we're going to see different use cases and different utility for these NFT projects. But the current business model uh, seems to be um, a thing of the past. I, I just don't see the traditional business model of minting a project out. Of course, we know everything is now going in the direction of a zero mint price. But then add on to that, that there isn't a revenue model for secondary sales after the zero mint. So what does this do to the, the tradability of these projects? It doesn't seem that there's much incentive to be looking at rare traits and, and one of ones in projects and, and getting a revenue stream from the high ETH resale of those rare NFTs anymore. Am I missing something or is that kind of where we're at now? I agree. It's, it's, it's just a sign of the times. And I, I think that ultimately um, it's a free market and businesses are, are controlling it. And, and, and it's just an unfortunate part of it and things are changing. And I guess that's just a way that these companies have to pivot and we all, uh, you know, I guess NF artists especially have to figure out a way to pivot. But I, I would think that it's very difficult, if not 
impossible and I, you know, I don't know, impossible, but maybe not really viable for someone to do a, you know, these free mints now, um, if you're going to need any type of secondary sales volume to, to run your business or anything like that. Uh, cause I guess that's not really possible. So maybe we'll see less, you know, free mints that season, may be over now. I mean, that may be a consequence. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's going to be there's going to be an evolution here, um, and existing collections, existing communities are going to be hard pressed now to really uh, innovate and try to come up with creative ways to continue to keep the lights on, because if there is no revenue derived from the royalties and if there is no product to drop and if the only thing that you're offering is um oh and ira's here ira we had a question and we don't know the answer but the product and the software application that you've launched with respect to smart contracts and coding the royalties into the smart contract. Elizabeth had a question, Ira. Is that something that can be wrapped into existing NFT projects that are out there? Or is this something that has to be done on NFT projects going forward? I don't know the answer to that. And if you can talk, I'd love to hear your answer to that because I'm curious. But we're talking about royalties and we're talking about whether this is a real inflection point for the space because... It doesn't seem like this genie is going back in the bottle. It doesn't seem like royalties are something that projects can rely on anymore going forward who are already in the marketplace. You have a solution for new projects, but then the question is, Ira, are the collectors, traders going to uh, have any incentive to want to engage with projects that charge royalties, or are they just going to continue to degen on zero royalty platforms and what does that do for the evolution of this technology that we all love so much? Did I cover it all, Matt? Uh, in some substance, I'll allow it. Thank you, Your Honor. So, typical questions across the board. I don't, I don't know how you put this genie back in the bottle. Um, now that the the major trading platforms have essentially decided that this is the way to go to continue to keep trading volume up. It doesn't seem to be doing anything to project floor prices. So what's the incentive to keep doing this? Ira, you took the bait. I love you. Let me bring Ira up. How are you, my friend, as you slowly enter? Welcome. All right, I think I'm I'm here now. We should be able to do sign language if we can't become on the stage as a speaker. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Sorry if I did that, but it's a great question, and I honestly got put on the spot. I didn't know the answer. Can you wrap what you've built into existing projects? Um, Carlo, I couldn't answer because I was only a listener at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I was going to respect you. I, if you were, you know, oh, if you were busy, kind of... I didn't want to impose. <laughs> no, you're, 
you're extremely kind and I appreciate it. Um, yeah, the answer is yes. And I, you know, look, we're seeing what's going on with ordinals right now, which are very interesting. And that's a whole nother topic. But what we can learn from ordinals is that there are folks who have no problem at all, um, regardless of the uh, logic of burning an Ethereum NFT and then recasting it in their own way as a Bitcoin ordinal. Um, now, regardless of the, you know, the propriety of doing that, I think we're going to see a whole era open up where projects are going to incentivize people to burn, let's say, their Ethereum NFT tokens and have them replaced with NFRTs or you know, non-fungible royalty tokens. Now, we have one instance of that at NFRT.io. I think we may have been the first. And um, that is an on-chain NFT royalty token and on-chain consent management. There may be others that come out and ours is open source. So if somebody wants to use it, they don't have to pay us anything. But I think it's we're going to start seeing a whole era of what I'll call NFT redos. Just the same way as folks have no problem getting an ordinal and burning their Ethereum one, they'll go ahead and just go ahead and burn their legacy, say, board eight and be replaced with a new and improved version of it, which will provide royalties. Now, you might say, well, why would somebody do that? <laughs> why would somebody do that? And I'll tell you why. Because there is a whole range of things that people could do in this. You know, the marketplace of ideas really could manifest baked into our NFRT, which is the EIP 4910. We actually have a way for an artist or a project to decide that collectors could get royalties too. So if you want to go ahead and fight degen behavior with degen behavior and let the marketplace decide, well, you could say, you know what? We're going to give collectors royalties. And the only way to do that is to use this new technology, this token, so the artist gets royalties, the collectors get royalties, and now all of a sudden, a large number of folks who love the hell out of Blur, for them ignoring and aiding and abetting the ignoring of royalty payments, will now somewhat, somehow like and love royalties because they're included in on it. Other folks may just like the idea that you know legacy artists are going to get paid so they could do this for a living. And their families can get paid once they pass away. So there's some sort of, you know, wealth that could be handed down. And NFT memberships are going to love it because now that's a business model. Like I think what you were alluding to, Carlo, where they can have money come in almost like a subscription model. And they can afford to hold concerts and make games and do it. You know, all the other things that we know and love with PFP projects. So the answer is absolutely yes. We could wrap it. We could also go ahead and literally just in exchange for, you know, one that gets burned, we just give you out a brand new NFRT. So in doing that, in burning the existing token um, and replacing it, that would then bring down the supply of the zero royalty NFTs. And you would essentially have two projects. This would, this would kind of be like what we did when we forked ETH 
at the time of the relaunch of ETH2. So that's a curious question as to what that does to the legacy projects that don't No, here's the thing. I mean, and everyone's entitled to their taste test. Um, The 721 standard has had a lot of problems. It has a lot of problems. Two of the most profound is it's very weak for being able to handle consumer notice and opt-in to to terms of use and licenses on secondary sales. So it puts the project completely at risk. It puts the integrity of the IP at risk. And that also means that it puts the valuation potentially of the NFT token at risk. And then it also doesn't really doesn't do on-chain royalties. It's a metadata standard. And we're now seeing the harsh economic reality that some folks who don't even, some of them are anonymous, have these marketplaces where they're building up their own market share to the detriment of all these artists. Well, if the artists get the power back and they get to decide, um, I can't imagine that wouldn't be a good thing because it creates kind of an order and predictability. And right now, somebody could even argue, and this is not legal advice, this is just a room where we can come up with arguments and ideas, that what's going on is absolutely illegal. Well, that was actually floated. Uh, Galavas asked the question, if you're an artist and you had a project on, on a platform like OpenSea, and then they just out of the blue decide that they're going to announce no more royalties, did you rely on their original representation of royalties to your detriment? And do you have a cause of action for, for, your, for your damages? Well, you know, you go through this. And I've been thinking about this now for a long time. In fact, we go all the way back to when we started our NFRT project. And I was thinking about it with with my colleagues about that's why we created on-chain royalties. It couldn't be, it shouldn't be left up to the marketplaces to decide that. Now, here's the thing. Um, There is so many varieties of legal theories that one could come up with. It could be tortious interference with contract. It could be tortious interference with prospective business advantage. It could be the failure to pay royalties. Um, It could be copyright infringement, especially when you're going ahead and manifesting the art as part of a gallery to sell an NFT. You knew or should have known that a condition of having a license would be to comply with the underlying agreements, both in metadata as well as in the license terms and you don't do it, you could pick your favorite theory. I mean, copyright infringement is not only primary infringement, but when you facilitate copyright infringement by encouraging people not to pay the royalties and still be able to use the artwork, you could be called a secondary infringer. And so there's so many different theories. You know, if you're another marketplace that complies with these agreements, and provides royalties to artists when someone else, another company's not, another marketplace is not, you know, someone could argue that's unfair competition because by not complying with the legal standards and the legal agreements, you're unfairly competing. And now you're back to, uh, you know, where, where Ellie feels extremely comfortable with your Lanham Act on the federal level. And there's also state ones too that may be applicable in California and maybe even 17200.
Business, business Professions Code, Section 17200. So there's a whole host of ways in which all this could be couched. Uh, the the sad part about it, to, to you know, we have to be somewhat even-handed in these rooms, otherwise what's the point, is that not a lot of these license agreements for NFTs met, mention royalties. If they had one extra line in there, which said as a condition of this license, you know, there has to be a, a proper transfer that honors the metadata royalties. Well, that would make that case a lot easier, right? Um, and, and folks should probably put that into their standard license terms if it's not already there. I don't think the Dapper license has it. I don't think Board Apes has it. But doesn't mean it ends the day. I mean, the metadata could be incorporated by reference if it includes royalty standards. Some doesn't. And you still get royalties anyway, based upon a marketplace's agreement. So, we have a a, um, a balkanized fact pattern, which does not make this kind of litigation the easiest litigation to win, and it doesn't make it the easiest to defend either. It's gonna it would be a hard four case, but somebody could create the right fact pattern by putting all the stuff in their terms having somebody without authorization go to Blur or one of these other marketplaces that's not honoring royalties and they go ahead and they they do it anyway, it may tee up the question and then we could see what a court might do. So that's kind of like, it's not legal advice. I'm not telling anyone to do this, but that's how test cases are brought. Yeah, an interesting question too that we don't know the answer to is when OpenSea announced this change did it affect all listings going forward or did they just take the royalties out of all existing listings? Who knows? But, um, you know, OpenSea may also be setting themselves up because, you know, what's the substitute for having an overt written license agreement? Well, you have a course of conduct or implied license. And when you have a course of conduct over time where for thousands of transactions you're providing royalties and now all of a sudden you cut them out um yeah sure you can have detrimental reliance but you can also just call that an agreement and now you're breaching an agreement so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here but i think what we've all learned is that if you leave it up to third parties they're going to do what's in their economic best interest and these marketplaces have their stakeholders and their stakeholders are saying to them, you know what? We care more about us than the artists. We need to go ahead and keep our company in business and make our shareholders happy. And so now what do artists do in response to that? Well, some folks may sue, but frankly, one of the best things to do right now is to use technology as an antidote. And that is to establish and adopt um, on-chain royalty technologies put the power back into the creators and then you can amp it up because our EIP 4910 accidentally in this situation happens to also include not only an option for artists to give them their project royalties, but also they could decide on multiple generations of collectors who can get royalties too at the time of mint. So, and then that would just be propagated, you know, for as long as the NFT remains alive on, on on chain so that's already built in so hopefully folks will 
you know, adopt this type of technology. That's, that's interesting because that could potentially gamify the marketplace in a new way that could actually infuse some enthusiasm into trading uh, on royalty-based uh, contracts because now you've got that extra, you've got that extra degen play you can make, which is uh, collector royalties. Yeah, I mean, when you were there in, with me uh, in uh, NFT NYC when we had all the artists come on stage, and that's exactly what they were discussing in our beta. Um, you know, we already proved it works. Uh, we had some of the greatest artists in the world there at that event, and the technology was implemented successfully. Uh, we just need to go ahead and find some major folks to work with so that we can go ahead and have kind of a round two of this and, um, and get people to use it. So it's essentially what's going on right now. Very cool. Thank you for clarifying that, Ira. Um, you know, I, I think something has to give here because it's not sustainable to continue down this road because we're, we're just seeing a lot of trading volume, but really no, uh, no return back to these communities, it, it would appear. And we saw one project, yes, that, that, that seems to have announced overnight, the Frenzies project that they just completely have shut down uh, their Twitter and, you know, it's being called a rug. And at this point, how long can a project continue to just sit on zero revenues uh, before they have to make the tough call to shut it down? And is that something that causes us to, ha us to have to redefine what a rug is? Because if now, as it currently stands, the climate is that there's no revenue stream, you know, it costs money, correct me if I'm wrong, but it costs, it costs money to continue to keep this stuff up on IPFS and manage servers and deal with discord and mods and so forth. Where's the incentive? So in, this may redefine what a rug actually is going forward when you just have no sustainable business model anymore. Well, you also have marketplaces doing rugs in some ways. So, you know, you're right. This could provide a justification. Now, if you need revenue and you've been relying on secondary royalties, create events that require folks to use token gating to check in and then sniff whether or not a royalty was paid and if it wasn't, require them to pay a royalty now. And that may impact the valuation of their particular tokens if they were not involved in a royalty transaction, which would then deter that from happening again. There are things that could be done right now using token gating. Obviously, it's going to be, um, you know, use central servers and things of that nature. But for every action, there could be a reaction. For sure. For sure. Matt, again, so civil. He's got his hands up. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Well, I think eventually, um, I don't think there'll be an express definition, although you may have some courts defining what they believe to be a rug. Um, but I think you will see some uh, doctrine, judicial doctrines, um, you know, similar to kind of, and it's a little bit different, but like a fraud, you know, um, you'll start, you'll, I think we're going to start to see that. And I think ultimately with any of these cases, 
it's always going to be a question of fact. And that gets really murky. And that's the line from, okay, this is so clearly a rug. Like, this is worthy of possible criminal charges to the point where, Jesus, they're just really horrible business people. And in between, there's, you know, a lot. And it's always going to be a, a question of fact. And I think ultimately, as we go forward and you see these cases, criminal and civil, you know, that's that's what we'll see. And it's going to be different. It's going to be hard to see that line. And it's going to be difficult to to win these cases when, you know, the closer you get to that, you know, I guess in between where you're just a bad what you do or you up to no good. Um, but those gonna going to have to be the close ones are going to be tough. Yeah. The, the um, I think we said this before, uh, you know, on this show numerous times, actually. But if all folks really not, nah, I'm not gonna make it that easy. NFT projects will start becoming more sophisticated and using standard terms, which will have the disclaimers as is no future promises. It will load it all up. The on like, you know, the uh, blockchain consent management matters a lot here because for folks to be bound on secondary sales, especially they're going to have to have notice and opt-in consent and that will all be grabbed. And now all of a sudden you're going to be in a scenario where, um, integration clauses may matter and you'll say listen you know whatever we said in the room must give way to the four corners of this agreement and these agreements can become so sophisticated that it's virtually never going to be criminal but you're right man i mean i do think this really is fraud that you know people are relying upon things and they're buying it and it's consumer protection but in some instances there isn't consumer protection because the people buying it are involved in de facto businesses so a court's going to have to go through that as well i mean when you're a degen and a day trader in NFTs, are you a consumer or a business person? And then my favorite one of all, and I've litigated this <laughs> in the internet gambling cases, is whether or not anyone's in pari delicto. So you don't have the keys to the courthouse when you're in pari delicto. Um, so we're going to have a whole evolution of litigation in this space that's going to have somewhat different issues than you would see in regular Web 2. Fascinating. <laughs> well, I think that's a phenomenal conversation for today. Jenko missed it, and uh, we'll have to fill him in after the fact. I'm also curious to know what's going to happen with oral argument before the Supreme Court on this Google case. I know that many were closely monitoring that and the implications of that for how people can advertise on social media and free speech implications and social media algorithms and how they can impact what people see in their feed. So this is all also not necessarily specific to Web3, but certainly relevant to our conversation. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ira. Gallivis, thank you for joining the conversation. Elizabeth, who had to drop out, we appreciate you as always. And to everyone who joined today, we'll be back at it soon. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and look forward to talking with you all again in the very near future. Thank you all.